to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, oh, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Fritz Coleman and Louise Palenker about their podcast, Media Path Podcast. Have you ever become obsessed with a topic and taken a deep dive into consuming all you could uncover about it? Well, their Media Path podcast is here to indulge your creative obsessions. It's hosted by our guests today, Fritz Coleman and Louise Palenker. The show takes you along a scenic tour through books, movies, articles, and music related to a given topic of captivation. Motown, Turner Classic Movies, Watergate, Laurel Canyon Folk, Rock, the McCarthy Arrow, they will take you there. Fritz Coleman is a legendary Los Angeles weatherman slash humorist. Louise Palenker is a filmmaker, columnist, and co-founder of Premier Radio. Hop aboard. Discover more layers, intrigue, and substance go beyond bringing with Media Path. The two of them were a delight to have on the show, and I am super excited that they stopped by. And I want you to listen to the episode because, as you may or may not remember, this year's theme of the podcast is Reconnection. That can mean a variety of different things. It can mean re-entering society in a in a uh, less pandemic-heavy era. It can mean reconnecting with old friends. It can even mean returning to old situations with newfound knowledge. And so we talk about sort of uh, the path of entertainment and circling back with some of the roots. And, and Fritz and Louise interview me a little bit and talk about how I am reconnecting with uh, religion, spirituality, theater, a lot of different ways. It's a great conversation. Uh, before we get there, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at the empiretoys.com and by self unbound your quality of life physically emotionally mentally and spiritually is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy ease and connection your nervous system has to experience your life at self unbound your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care access the first steps to your unbound journey by following them on facebook instagram or at www.selfunbound.com now, without further ado, my episode with Fritz and Louise is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm excited to talk to these two individuals. They have a ton of of background in media, and we're going to go down a path, media path, if you will, of discovery tonight. Well, tonight is when we're recording it, but you could be listening to it in the morning. So I'm here with Fritz Coleman and Louise Palenker. Fritz, Louise, how are you doing? two doing tonight? Doing great, Joe. Nice to be with you. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Of course. Now, I'm excited. I, it was a little tongue-in-cheek. So for those that didn't listen to the intro, fast-forwarded, didn't read the description, uh, the two of you co-host uh, the wonderful podcast, Media Path. We'll cover that here in a moment. We'll get into that and sort of the origin story and the crux of it. And of course, there's links to the show as well. If you scroll down, you'll see it. Click on it. Go subscribe. It's wonderful. Um, 
But before we do that, so for new listeners here at the Detox Podcast, uh, I invite people to quote unquote detox from the world around them for 30, 45 minutes, however long the episode is, and just get a window into how other people live their lives. So I like to ask my guests at the top of the episode, uh, Fritz, I'll start with you. And then Louise, I'll go to you. What are you detoxing from right now? I'm detoxing from 40 years at NBC (laughs) and I'm not quite finished yet, but I've had no withdrawal, but I'm I'm pretty well cleansed. And, uh, and that is to say I'm detoxing from really a very fortunate career I had at NBC, but my life is changing and I'm loving it. And, and the best part of the change is getting a chance to do this podcast media path with my good friend, Wheezy, Louise Blanker. Louise, how about you? I'm trying to think, I try to stay detoxed (laughs) on the daily so, I mean, I, I, you know, I try to manage my intake of what it, whatever it might be, whether it's toxic personalities or coffee, but I think <laughs> pretty good. I, pre- I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm monitoring the situation pretty well. I can't think of anything that I'm currently detoxing from other than I just had cataract surgery. Oh, wow. So it's okay. taken my brain a moment to adjust to uh, my new eyesight. Very nice. Well, I'm hoping that it's going well, or at least it's on the way uh, to, to being better. Oh, absolutely. Good to hear. You know, I, I like that you talked about, uh, Louise, the, the detoxing from, you know, always trying to detox, whether it's from toxic personalities is one thing, something that I noticed recently. Uh, and it took me a bit of time uh, to recognize this. I had this sort of a, a light bulb moment today where I recognize that I'm currently detoxing from sort of a lot of frantic energy. And what I mean by that is I noticed that there were a couple of individuals that I'd been working with right up until the year end um, that sort of everything was a fire drill, right? Everything was a crisis, everything, everything, everything. And it wasn't until I had some space for the holidays and starting a new year and getting to work with different individuals that I recognized, oh, that inner, that was not necessarily the urgency of the situation. It's what uh, an old boss of mine used to call the self-imposed deadlines. So they're individually self-imposed and I'm going to add frenetic energy to everybody else's day and cause a bit of chaos. So that's what I've been detoxing from. And you're catching me, I would say, in, in a good spot is kind of having a little bit of peace about about everything at the moment. Thank God. That's awesome. Let me me ask you this. Do you think that some of the frenzy that you uh, generated in your life or was introduced to you in your life was because of COVID and lockdown and isolation and the different dynamic between friends and coworkers and people? I found people have really changed their and reconfigured their energy level a lot because of COVID, because of the, the reworking of our social connections. I would say... Definitely my reaction to this in, this set of in, circumstances and interaction was sh- shaped by COVID. So this particular couple of individuals I'm thinking of, um, I'm not certain how they worked pre-COVID. Definitely mm-hmm. this was the way they were working now. But definitely my um, sort of setting boundaries and recalibrating how I want to interact has been shaped by COVID. I think pre-COVID, mm-hmm. I would be a lot more... Um, uh, tolerant of a lot of the the kind of frenetic pace and now Mm -hmm. i i've had the opportunity physical space because we're connecting virtually to sort of step away and and take a walk and and process what's going on which allows me to say yeah i don't want this level of energy so yes i would say it's definitely as a result of COVID. 
So you have to forgive me for I'm just trying to learn about you a little bit. Yeah. So it, it, I find that interesting. You have to self analyze your reaction to people every day because of your profession and people getting along with one another, regardless of their backgrounds and their ethnicities and all that. So that's something you have to be aware of all the time. Right. That's correct. That is, that is correct. So I have to sort of do a daily uh, configuration of how I'm showing up, how I'm interacting and perhaps mm -hmm. how people are interact, like what energy they're bringing to me in any given situation. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that is uh that's that's well well caught i um so that so that's sort of the the path of detoxing that i've been on especially lately and today uh i do want to ask about uh i want to dig into y'all's individual careers for a moment so folks get a sense of the two of you so louise i want to ask you you've definitely have an extensive background in producing entertainment over the years what was it like for you sort of getting started in the entertainment industry and what were some of your uh, earliest um, wins or earliest learning opportunities? I, when I got out to California, I grew up in, in suburban Buffalo, New York. When I got out to California, all I knew how to do in, in order to enter the entertainment field was, was uh, go through internships, you know, which I, which I'm a big fan of because it gives you an opportunity to not only get to know folks, but to look around and see who would be doing something that you might be good at doing. Cause you don't really know what the jobs are. You know, no one tells you in high school that a certain type of job even exists. So you need to put yourself in the space somehow internships, you know, you give like uh, what I say to people is give it away until somebody's willing to pay for it. And then you get to that, that, that moment, that bridge where someone's asking you to do something for free and you're at a point where you're, no, I think I'm going to need to get paid. But, you know, you have to feel your way through and you have to take opportunities, but then not be taken advantage of. And that's a fine line in a field that's as coveted as entertainment. But whatever field you're entering, field of entertainment, for example, doesn't require a degree. You know, it's not like becoming a doctor or a lawyer or a pharmacist, you know, or even cutting someone's hair. Yeah. It's like, we'll take anybody until <laughs> you piss them off and out you go. So yeah, it's hard to get in, but um, you, um, my first victory that I really felt like palpably was getting a phone call on my Radio Shack answering machine <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I had uh, landed a job as a studio page. That's so I awesome. knew now I'm in show business, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible fritz how about you what was uh your start in the entertainment industry and then how uh in the broadcasting industry as well and then what were some of your earliest wins well my whole life has been a win and the older i get the more i realize the good fortune i've had in every aspect of my life i started my broadcasting career in the navy I was in the Navy for four years and I worked for Armed Forces Radio and Television. And in that job, I uh, was stationed on a ship, the USS John F. Kennedy. And on that ship, I did radio shows and newscasts and weather forecasts. That was really my first job in broadcasting. And the beautiful thing about it was when you work for the Navy, regardless of how bad you are at your job, you will never get fired. You have to stay in that position. And, you know, you and it's such a free, a freeing thing to not have to worry about being fired because your first professional job 
uh, or in you know civilian job, you always have to worry about whether the boss is looking over your shoulder, whether you're performing the way you should. But I never got fired, so I had the I had the uh, the gift of being bad for four years, and and I would never get fired. So I went from being in, so that's my first bit of good luck. My second bit was uh, before I got out of the Navy, I mailed tapes out to radio stations to get a job. And I got a job at a radio station in Philadelphia. So I was literally out of the Navy for one day before I was employed the next day at a radio station. Wow. That's another bit of good luck. Then I was on the radio in Philadelphia and I was going with a girl who was a student at Syracuse University. So I applied for a job in radio in Syracuse University, in the Syracuse area, and got that job. Another bit of good luck. Then while I was on the air in Syracuse, I got... Uh, 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 poached by a bigger radio station in Buffalo, New York. Uh, and so that was another bit of good luck. And then I came out here and, and uh, uh, to do a, a career as a stand-up comic in 1980. And I was working at the comedy store and the news director from Channel 4 in Los Angeles happened to be in the audience one night with his wife and saw me perform and came backstage to meet me afterwards and uh, loved my stories about being really bad at broadcasting in the Navy, but nobody cared. And I told some anecdotes about it. And he said, this is a weird question. Do you have any desire to uh, come and do some weekend fill-in weather forecasting for me at Channel 4? I need some help on weekends. And I was making $45 a night at the comedy store. <laughs> I almost passed out. I said, yes. So I auditioned. I got that job, did the weekend job for two years, got bumped up to the main job, and retired um, two years ago, like two weeks shy of my 40th anniversary at NBC. Wow. So my whole life, to answer your question in a really long way, Joe, has been a series of insanely lucky moments and uh, pretty amazing. That is, that is. I will say this about luck. Fritz calls it good luck, but I, I think we all have good luck and bad luck and all kinds of luck in our lifetimes. And the trick of it is to be prepared when mm -hmm. good luck shines its light upon you. I agree. You have okay. to be able to seize the moment. You're 100% right. That means work hard. Right. Work hard. Work hard. And be ready. All of a sudden, when eyeballs are looking at you, you're ready. And it, you don't have to be perfect. You know, you just have to be uh, so good that even, you know, being terrified, you're pretty good. Yeah. So whoever was listening to Fritz's tapes, you know, he calls it good luck. But I'm saying they heard something. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I owe a lot of people. Thank you for their good intuition. But, but you're right, Weezy. And once you're handed the ball, you have to be able to run with it, which is absolutely true. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was fortunate enough in my sort of day to day professional life to catch a break about two and a half years ago. And uh, people outside looking in called it, oh, what good luck are you happened on that job? And this is great. And this is great. And I had to talk, walk them through the three years of sort of what I like to call micro moves that I made based off of mm -hmm. in the moment feedback to get to a position where, like you said, Louise, someone noticed and saw it and then was like, hey, let's let's bring you up and let's recognize you and let's put you in this position. But had I not been working on it, I wouldn't have been in a position to where someone could have provided me with the opportunity because they wouldn't have they would have just overlooked me. They would have moved on to the next person. What is your degree in, Joe? So I actually double majored when I was uh, at school. So I have, I have a Bachelor of Arts in Theater and Theology. I used to be very religious. 
Uh, I'm not so anymore, but that was sort of my, and that's a bit of a long-winded story. If you want to hear more of that, I tell that on a different podcast coming out where I detail my whole religious background and my uh, journey to understand my sexual orientation. That's that's a bit of a, that's a different uh, deep dive, but yes, theology mm-hmm. and theater uh, was my background. And so I-, I Well, theology and theater as a double major prepared you to be a TV evangelist. You could be making a lot of money right now. I know. I know. What am I doing? What am I? I was set up for success. Where'd you go to school? (laughs) So I went to a small Southern Baptist school in Texas called Howard Payne University. It's an NCAA Mm -hmm. Division III school Um, uh, in Brownwood, Texas. The big city that's near Brownwood is Abilene. Anybody knows where Abilene is. Um, It's, you know, about three and a half hours west of Fort Worth. Uh, so it's out there, uh, to say the least, but yeah, that's where I went, enjoyed the small environment. And, uh, what I liked about the theater department there is we were scrappy. We didn't have a lot of resources. Everybody was a generic theater major. So it was all hands on deck, whether you're doing lights, sound, makeup, directing, producing everything, everybody got a chance to sort of dig in, but yeah, that's, that's a bit of my background. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, that's cool. We had a couple of gentlemen on our podcast, um, Brad Onishi and Dan Miller. They they host pot, a whole podcast fleet called uh, Under the Banner Straight White American Jesus, and they both have your, a similar background. Yeah, when they became ministers and then went got got their graduate degrees at Oxford, which gave them enough like sort of like space and time to look at everything and kind of reassess. Yeah. you know what it all meant and so uh you might find they were that. great they got out of the religious they got out of their one was i guess were both pastors or one was a pastor wheezy and they got yeah. out of it but they became these great philosophers with great overviews of life and it was a really fascinating conversation because they brought all the turmoil in their personal lives that mm-hmm. led them to religion and then led, led them to leave their religion behind yeah it was really fun I would, for you in particular, I would recommend their book. What was, was that the name of their book? Uh, that's the name of their pot, their podcast. Uh, American right. Jesus. American Jesus. They, yeah. uh, Brad just wrote a book. I haven't read it yet, but you know, they've got a ton of content coming out and it's just very illuminating. Really interesting. And yeah, you, they walked a similar path. I love that. I'll definitely, I've made a note of it and I'll make a note in the show notes. If you're listening and you're like, wait a minute, what was that? Just scroll down. You've got it there. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, on this show specifically, I've had quite a few folks that have either um, it, sort of in a previous life uh, been very religious or theologians, and then some who are still in the faith. But what's unique about most of the folks that are on this show that are still members of the faith, especially some of the last two, um, are members of the LGBTQ plus community. And so we've had really interesting, nuanced conversations about why they're still why they're still practicing, uh, in some cases, why they uh, are still ordained as a minister, uh, that it's actively preaching, and in some cases, what they are doing to sort of uh, reclaim uh, one specific space that they have always been drawn to and found identity in and don't appreciate that um, a very small section of uh, of folks have sort of claimed that religious space for their own. So that's so those have been some interesting conversations, and I'm excited to listen to both your episode with these individuals, the Straight White American Jesus podcast folks, and then also go listen to that as well. And and, uh, and your your struggle, it sounds like, and their struggle was this um, this conflict between being drawn to Christian teaching 
and being rejected by the structure of the Christian churches. Right. Uh, in California, we have a really interesting uh, sort of uh, reawakening going on where the Episcopal Church out here has had uh, female pastors and gay pastors and uh, and they've really opened up and it's been a safe haven for the gay community who are Christians to be able to find. So it's not a conflict right. for them anymore. They feel like they have a, a safe space out here. It's a big thing in California. That's incredible. Right That's wonderful. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. one of the things that I've been very passionate about <clears throat> has been, and it definitely is driven from my background, is the ability for everyone to feel that they have the space to practice what is most important to them, whether that is a religious uh, construct or institution, or it's just the ability to meditate in peace and be able to process, or perhaps it's just being one with nature. There's a variety of ways I think we as humans need the ability to uh, sort of understand uh, what makes uh, what our big why is right? I'm using kind of air quotes there, but our what drives us, what allows us peace, what allows us the recovery. There's a lot of ways in which we interpret that as individuals, and mm -hmm. when we don't have the space to feel welcome, like it sounds like the the Episcopal Church in California is welcoming members of the the LGBTQ plus community, then um, you just feel stifled and you don't feel like you have the space, and it feels uh, suffocating in a lot of in a lot of mm -hmm. respects. So that's wonderful to hear that that's uh, that sort of um, resurgence of the mm -hmm. Episcopal Church within California. Mm -hmm. I want to I shift gear. This has been wonderful. I think one of the things that's nice about this is we kind of went down a bit of a, of a path where we talked about specific topics um, and allowed folks the opportunity to learn a bit more about all of us. And so I think that's a good opportunity to talk about Media Path, the podcast of which you two co-host. And I'd love to know, Louise, let me start with you. What were some of the, um, and then and then Fritz, feel free to jump in as well. What were some of the original conversations like uh, about starting this podcast? Lucy, I don't think this is your first time at the rodeo to borrow a Texas colloquialism. So walk me through what that was like for you. Well, I, I've been podcasting since you could because my career was in radio. That's right. Uh, so I started a company called Premier Radio Networks, which is now a division of iHeart a syndication uh, radio company. And I was always in, in the trenches, just cranking out the creativity, but not hosting a show. So as soon as you could host your own show, you know, do it yourself kind of, you know, technologically became a thing in sort of 2004, 2005, when we yeah. could get garage band and uh, final cut pro and, and, and all these, all these tools, and then actually post our product to the internet. So not only could we create, using our computer, we could actually disseminate using our computer. And like, to me, that was just like, that, that, that was just such an empowering moment. I wanted to learn how to do it all. So I did everything. I made a movie and, uh, you know, I made, I made a film that it took me eight years to make the film, but it, it was on Showtime for two years and now it's on Amazon prime. And I started podcasting as, as soon as you could with a friend of mine named Laura Swisher. And uh, our first podcast was called Wheezy and the Swish on Wheezy, and she's the Swish. And, you know, we did 100 episodes of that, and then that led to another podcast. And, you know, I kind of just sort of followed my interests and followed where my path was, was taking me. I was mentoring kids a lot, and I wanted to do, and I wrote a young adult novel that I published as an app as soon as you could. <laughs> like, I was always kind of like, hey, you know what can you do let's do it yeah and, at the, and when i published my app at the end I, I said to my guy ian broyles i said hey 
you know, I like the idea that you don't just publish a book, like it's an app, so it could do interactive things. So at the bottom of the book, could we say, hey, do you have any questions about growing up? And boy, the questions started coming in and we created a, so a little social network so kids could give each other advice. And then my next podcast was called uh, Journals Out Loud, where I actually had a panel of kids fielding questions from the app and then talking over, you know, what this kid should do, sort of like a Dear Abby, yeah. you know, for kind of panel situation. And I was really just kind of like hovering and waiting for Fritz to retire. Because so <laughs> he, he's my dream podcast host. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think I realized that. Well, Fritz, what what does uh, it mean to you to, to, one, hear that, and then also be able to join the podcast uh, that y'all are a part of now? Well, the main thing is, the, the structural thing was that I wasn't allowed to do any uh, media-oriented uh, things outside my contract with NBC. Gotcha. And so I, even if I wanted to do it, but Weezy and I have been friends for 30 years. She produced a couple of my one-person shows. And we've always uh, seen eye to eye on so many things, politics and movies and documentaries and stuff. And we've been friends and had great conversations about it all. And uh, when she invited me to do it, I, saw, I, I thought this would just be a great sort of an extension of the friendship we already have where we talk about stuff and then bring listeners in on it. Yeah. So we decided to do Media Path. Uh, and, and the reason for the name and the reason for the concept of the show is that every week, Weezy and I will suggest some reading, viewing, listening to our listeners. Like, what's the latest uh, thing that's come out on Netflix? And she'll read the latest book. It can be in a young adult novel or a movie, or a, she'll listen to another podcast. And we'll talk about it for five or 10 minutes at the beginning of the show, not as a review, but just as a way of calling people's attention to it. Mm. And then we have our guests. And the guests can be anything. We, we have a very eclectic list of guests from politicians to authors, to musicians, to 1960s television stars. And uh, we, it, we really, uh, the fun for us is just talking to people we've never talked to before and it's, and learning something we haven't known before. And it's really, I'm just loving it. It's uh, really a lot of fun. Yeah, they each come with their own media path. So once you start exploring what someone has created it, you know, it just leads to the next thing, leads to the next thing. And it's all available to us now. We can we can uh, indulge our curiosities, and I, we I, we just both find that very exciting. I have to agree with the with a couple things that the both of you said. One, I really enjoyed. I listened to the Henry Winkler episode, so I have to highly recommend that for listeners. If you're a huge fan of Henry Winkler, whether it's from Happy Days, whether it's from Barry, which he's phenomenal in this last season. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! Like, just I'm not mm -hmm. no spoilers, but woo, that was a yeah. That really class. showed what a good actor he is because yes. it's so against type for him. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that episode that y'all did with him was really fun. I learned a lot personally, and I enjoyed listening to it. Um, and then the fact that you have such an eclectic list of folks um, is is such a draw for me. Uh, that's what some of the things I try and replicate here is is have people tell their stories and just kind of keep doing a deeper dive to learn about the people that are on the show and and getting to know it. So I love that. And then I also, Louise, what you said about the one thing will take you to another path, will take you to another path, and and the fact that you can just have all of it sort of at, at your fingertips. I, I was reading a book, it's a bit of a super, super obscure book, but I'm a huge soccer fan. And so I was reading this book, 
Emerald Exiles, um, How the Irish Made Their Mark on World Football. And I got this book recommended to me and sent over. I had someone on the, the podcast who is a professional women's soccer player in Sweden. Um, and she started a magazine and a creative entity called um, um, Football is Everywhere. And so it's, it's more photographs, but also some documentary features on just obscure soccer fields and Faroe Islands and everywhere. And so she was talking to me about it. And then she shared that book. And I was like, I don't know anything about obscure Irish players who played soccer, men, women, etc. And then I read the book and like, I don't know any of these names. And I'm reading about this guy who went to go play in um, where did, Cambodia and winning the Cambodian championship. And I'm just like, the, the, like, this type, and I say all of that to be like, I just kept going down a deeper and a deeper and a deeper yeah. path. And it was fun. It was the fun of discovery. That's what I love about y'all show. And then sort of it, it enables the, the, the sort of digging into more as a listener and a consumer. Right. That's what we try to do. And it's fun. It's exciting. And uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of really feed your brain. Yes. What, what, when we're when we're curious, that's when we're most apt to learn. Uh, so when you're curious, you know, go, go, don't just if you have a chance. When you're curious, it, it, get those questions answered because that's when we learn the best. Is when we want to know. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such that's such great advice for all of us to kind of keep embedded in the back of our brain. Um, I want to now shift as we're probably starting to to ramp down from from the episode here in a little bit. I want to Fritz. I want to ask you what has been one of your favorite moments, not necessarily a guest or a, a whole episode, but maybe one of your favorite moments of the podcast so far. My favorite moment is when I'm, I'm I'll, as I'm describing this, I'll try to think of a, a specific one, but. My favorite moments are when we have a guest live in the studio. You know, we're post-pandemic now, so we can lure people into our studio. When we're sitting there, I think one of the funniest times we ever had was when we had the two writers from the David Letterman show on there. And I think jokes and humor per square inch was probably greater on that show, Wheezy, than it was on any of the other ones. We just had so much fun on that. Because Steve uh, uh, or uh, Weezy had known Steve O'Donnell, and these guys are brilliant. They're Harvard graduates, and they're the funniest, smartest people ever. And we had so much fun, didn't we? That was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was the Steves. We had Steve O'Donnell and Steve Young, and Steve Young has made a documentary called "Bathtubs Over Broadway," which you can see on Netflix. And he just became so. It reminded me of you a little bit there, Joe, because he just became obsessed with uh, something entirely obscure. It's like industrial musicals that were produced in the '60s, '70s, kind of like industrial musicals that were only performed once for all of the plumbing salesmen in the country that came, you know, to the to the theater and got to see. You know, like but I highly recommend it. It's very entertaining, and you would be surprised at the amount of money they spend on those things, and how many stars got their start in yeah. those uh, industrials. Yeah, and he great. got to meet some of the performers and writers, and he was like a little kid. He was so excited, uh, and that was that was a really fun one. I love Steve O'Donnell. He's been on all my podcasts, and he's one of my good friends. But like that guy is just like brilliantly funny, and yeah. for me. Like, uh, I, I'm going to say that a favorite moment was what well, I was so nervous, but we were we were interviewing Adam Schiff and he was zooming in from his office on Capitol Hill. And I had carefully crafted each of my questions because I was like terrified. <laughs> and um, 
all of all of all, all of a sudden Fritz Fritz and I hear a ding dong and it's like his office is alerting him that he's due on the floor to cast a vote. Oh, and no. not only was that cool, but it was also like, oh good, this is over. <laughs> he was so but he was so comfortable. His book was out at the time. And now I'm sure we could probably get him back, Weezy, because he's running for Senate. So yeah, and he and, and Fritz is his constituent, so he knows Fritz because Fritz is his weatherman. So <laughs> So we had those are good ones. There's a good one in every sort of genre, but we we love it. But we do love having our guests in the studio. We have great comics, Elaine Boozler and Kathy Ladman and Wendy Liebman. And I, I love amusing people and you don't have to prod them to be entertaining. Yeah, I I uh, am excited to specifically check out that episode and uh, the, the one with the Steves and then to sort of go on my own additional deep dive on watching the, the documentary and, and learning. You should about watch it. that. You will find that very entertaining. I will. I will. Abs- it's bu- uh, ba- I almost said Bullets Over Broadway. That's a different show. Bathtubs oh, yeah. Over Broadway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, I want to probably the last, last question that we'll have this this episode before we shift to our final segment of the show, I want to ask you both and Louise, let me start with you. What is a piece of advice or a mantra uh, that you like to give out to someone who might be new and looking to get into the entertainment industry as a whole? I have so much advice because I, I mentor kids and I'm, it's just like, I can fine tune it for whatever their situation is, but, but generally, generally speaking, you have to be the first one at work and the last one to leave. You have to do all the jobs that no one else wants to do. Uh, You have to expect to not receive any positive feedback for years. And you have to be your own positive feedback. You don't get an attaboy and, and you don't get away with leaving before the work is done. And just because no one is saying anything to you about how you did well or you didn't do well, everyone notices everything. So it's not like school where you're just getting this constant feedback. It's it's like you're just out there and you're just like working your ass off with no one saying anything until something happens like what happened to you, Joe, where all of a sudden you're getting promoted. And that will happen, but you have to be your own attaboy because most days there there is no feedback it's just you have to know that what you're doing folks notice and so you've got to be working hard every day and doing the grunt work and doing all the things that nobody wants to do until someone gives you the work that everyone wants to do and you'll be ready for it every one of those is brilliant i concur with all those and my only one to tag it out with would be don't quit. Just keep going. Trust your own talent. Trust your own instincts. Because Jennifer Coolidge on the uh, Critics Awards had the best speech because she's had all this incredible white heat late in her career. And she says, you just got to remember, don't give up. Don't give up because it's not over till you're dead. (laughs) That's just great advice. And it's true. Just keep going. Just keep going. That's right. Keep going. Be, be the person that everybody wants around. Mm. Yeah. You know, be kind. That's very true. Because 50% of having successes works well with other people. Yeah. You have to be, you have to blend in. Yeah. Which means ask people about their lives. 
you know, mm-hmm. be genuinely interested in how other people are doing. Yep. You know, this is this life we're doing here is a collaboration. We are all working together to make to make everything happen. And so be interested and and be be uh, someone that cares. And it's, it's hard advice to give because you either do or you don't. And if right. you if you kind of spent your childhood self-nurturing, you're still doing that in your adult life. And so it's it's a it's a difficult transition to actually think, okay, I'm okay. Let me ask her how she's doing. <laughs> good idea. It feels good. And I have to say, it's so just kind of to piggyback onto that statement, it is so uh interesting to see how folks light up when you start showing an interest in what is important to them, asking them about their day, asking them about their family, remembering that their cat was sick and asking how Fluffy is doing today, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it sounds so sort of silly uh, a little bit and, no. and it means so much. It also makes you a good podcast host to be that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, this has been wonderful. I'm going to segue now to our final segment of the show. Uh, And it's interesting because this is probably the first time where this has happened um, multiple times throughout the run of the regular show. So it's a segment I call Things to Check Out, where I invite uh, my guests and I do the same to share a recommendation for the listeners of something to watch, read, and or listen to. Um, But as I said, we've shared a ton of things to check out already, but I had some preps. I'll go and rattle those off. And if the two of you have additions, we'll add those to it and we'll put all of them in the notes as well. Um, I've been doing a bit of a, a media path into music. So I, I host a, a music podcast called After the Encore, which interviews artists and does a career retrospective on those, such as John Oates from Hall & Oates is one example. Um, but one thing that I've been very uh, into has been uh, this book is uh, Cash on Cash by Robert Burke Warren. So Robert Burke Warren has been on the show before, and he literally wrote the book on Johnny Cash. I'm sure he's not the only one, but this particular book compiled interviews of Johnny Cash with various media outlets throughout the years, and then Robert adds some additional commentary in between. Some of these interviews have not been seen, but were given to him from the Cash estate, um, and were allowed and sort of like blessed to be in this book. So it's a fantastic read. If you're a Johnny Cash fan or you're interested in music at all, I highly recommend that. And then... uh, um, from a, uh, a watching perspective, um, what I've been really into has been watching uh, NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts. So I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole on the Tiny Desk route. Um, mm-hmm. Some of my favorites so far have been, um, I really enjoyed uh, Chance the Rapper's uh, Tiny Desk Concert, um, especially because in the middle of his Tiny Desk Concert, um, a fire alarm goes off and everybody has a fire drill. And he's like, wow, this is a real office. I thought this was just like a, a stage that y'all set up. And they were like, no, we actually, we have to leave now. And then they like edit it and come back and he finishes it after they've all regrouped from the fire drill. So that's definitely funny and interesting to check out. And then from a listening perspective, uh, my great uncle was a musician by the name of Grady Owen. And he wrote a lot of country music and played in a lot of different uh, rockabilly and um, uh, different country outfits. And in fact, he was part of one of the blue caps of Gene Vincent in the blue caps way back when. Um, and so he's just been all over and late in life because we have everything available to us at our fingertips. I've discovered, uh, with, uh, with my uncle, how much, uh, 
his fingers are on sort of a lot of different music, whether writing, producing, or playing. And it's been fun to sort of rediscover that as a family family opportunity. And, and perhaps there's a, a project, a book, or a podcast that's uh, still to come. So I'll tease that up. But that's um, that's kind of what I'm uh, recommendations to check out. They all sound fantastic. They really do. So Fritz, Luis? Or you want me to do it? Either. Uh, I'm reading, a, I'm, I'm just finishing a wonderful book right now called uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, uh, and it's by John Meacham, one of my favorite people. He uh, He's a presidential historian and a very thoughtful guy. And uh, MSNBC uses him as a talking head occasionally to put some of the turmoil we're going through into perspective. And it's a wonderful book. I love history. So this is one of the best books I read about uh, Abraham Lincoln, a movie I've seen, which is being completely overlooked by the uh, Oscars and most of the awards, I think because it starts a little dark, is Babylon. It's a it's a really astonishing piece of work. And the acting with uh, Margot Robbie and and Brad Pitt is I mean, they they both could have easily been nominated. It was uh, a, a great film. And uh that's it lately, right off the top of my head. Weezy? Nice. Well, I, I, I just finished Prince Harry's book. So I, I recommend that. It's, it's an incredible insight into being royal and uh, the gigantic mess that that uh, turns out to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's Spare, so, correct? Spare. Yeah, it's called Spare. Yeah. And it, this this guy is heroic. <laughs> He jumped himself out of the cult and um, super- <laughs> uh, I just saw a movie last night on Netflix called Sing Street. And uh, this is a little sleeper movie. I'm not even sure when it was made, but it seems like it's an Irish movie about these little kids that that form a band. And it's got so much heart and the music is really genuinely good. So that's that's fantastic. Sing Street is on Netflix. I, I read a book uh, called Lessons in Chemistry, and it's a novel, but it's really, it, it's it's about chemistry. It's about a woman in, in the 60s, in the early 60s, who's trying to raise her daughter. She's a chemist, but she winds up as a, as a TV host of a cooking show. So she's teaching the women who watch her show that cooking is chemistry. I know nothing about chemistry. I know nothing about cooking. <laughs> I can order food. Is that a true story? That sounds cool. I don't think it's a true story, but it's really it it it's it's a feminist book in that in the in the 60s when women were not expected to do much more than cook, she mm-hmm. actually uses cooking as a means to tell people you are way more than your circumstances and you're capable of knowing a ton and doing a lot. And it's this book is actually um, it's by Bonnie Garmus. It has eighty seven thousand two hundred fifty seven ratings on Amazon with That's almost awesome. five stars. So people are devouring the book. Part wow. of it. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a great book if you love fiction. I love it. Definitely excellent recommendations of things to check out. Well, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, obviously from the podcast perspective, we'll put the links here. And I believe mediapathpodcast.com is probably the easiest or fastest way to get a hold of uh, the podcast in totality, but maybe uh, additional ways that the listeners can follow both of you on social media. 
Well, we have a YouTube channel. Our podcast is available uh, on YouTube. I add a ton of images that complement what everybody's talking about. Uh, they can find us uh, at, Medi at Media Path Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, we have a Facebook group called Media Path uh, with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. We've got a show page on face on Facebook, Media Path Podcast. And we're just wherever you, your fingers type Media Path Podcast, you'll you'll find us. But we we hope you'll uh, subscribe. And the YouTube is just fun to watch because you can just sort of kick back and listen only or look at the screen occasionally to see if there's a visual that helps you understand what, what it is we're trying to talk about. But um, we just we really love the folks who tune in and we'd love to find out what what people are watching and reading so that they can take part in the conversation. Very cool. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you both for coming on the show. Uh, this kid from Texas has always uh, had a dream uh, of being part of radio, and it all started from uh, listening to radio dramas way back when. I grew up listening to The Shadow, Going to Sleep, Green Hornet, Lone Ranger, My Favorite Husband. Those were the shows that I consumed as a kid. And so I, uh, it was a treat for me to talk to two uh, uh, legends in the entertainment industry and get to pick their brain a bit. So thank you both so much. Well, you were great. It was a nice conversation, Joe. Thank you very much. Joe, you are fantastic at this. Keep it up. This is what you're meant to do. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>